Hi, I'm Megan Romer in Louisiana, and you're listening to Billy Winter Davis on Two Broads Talking Politics. Hi, everyone. This is Kelly with Two Broads Talking Politics. I'm on tonight with my co-host, Sophie. Hey, Sophie. Hey, Kelly. And joining us on this episode is Billy Winner Davis, who is the mother of Reality Lee Winner. Hi, Billy. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more uh, about sort of reality's situation, and I, I think a lot of people are at least familiar with the name. But what I was hoping we could start with, if it's okay with you, is just sort of getting a, a better picture of who reality is as a person, you know, maybe a little bit about kind of the, the things that she's interested in, you know, what sorts of things she was doing before she became a, a household name. So if you wouldn't mind talking about that, I, I think that always sort of helps ground the conversation a little bit. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, reality is um, 27 years old now. Um, she was 25 years old at the time of her arrest. So she has actually spent two birthdays behind bars. Reality is my youngest daughter, my youngest child. And when reality graduated from high school, she um, joined the Air Force and she became a crypto linguist. And she uh, was taught three different languages, the Middle Eastern languages, Farsi, Dari, and Pashto. And she worked at the NSA as a cryptolinguist while she was in the Air Force and worked on some special project, worked with the drone program. And um, she actually earned a medal of commendation with the Air Force for her excellent service and work in identifying uh, targets and threats. And after her... Um, service term was up. She she did get an honorable discharge from the Air Force, and she went to work at the NSA there in Augusta, Georgia, at Fort Gordon uh, for a contract agency um, there. And so she was kind of doing a little bit of the same work that she was doing while she was in the Air Force. She was, um, you know, um, translating a lot of documents and things like that. And so she was, she's always been one to serve her country. She's always been an extremely caring and giving person. She's always served all the communities that she's lived in, even as a child. Um, you know, I worked with Child Protective Services, and, you know, our entire family was very involved with our community and helping those in need. And reality, you know, was was always involved in projects um, that I was involved with, involved in projects with her high school. When she was in the Air Force, she uh, volunteered with an athletic organization ca called Athletes Serving Athletes, where they actually run races and marathons with disabled kids to give disabled kids a, an opportunity to become marathon runners and to give, you know, them that opportunity. She also uh, collected shoeboxes for children for the Samaritan's Purse. She fostered animals. She, she's always volunteered with veterans organizations. And so she's always been, um, you know, a, a pretty remarkable young woman um, in that she she was more 
serving more about serving her community than she was about serving herself. And I read that she also uh, did yoga and uh, was had turned vegan. So it made me think a little bit about myself. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yes. Reality is a certified yoga instructor. And yes, she is vegan. She follows the vegan diet. Uh, it's very important to her. Um, she's very concerned about climate change. She's very concerned about our environment. Um, you know, she's done things, if you look at her social media things, um, she's done things to, to make sure that she at least did her part in trying to help the world. She's always been a person who um, wants to make the world a better place. And even just today, um, she called me and she asked me if, if I could donate some money in her name to the victims of the cyclone mm-hmm. over in um, Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's who reality is. You know, she's just a very giving, caring person. She is she is quite an athlete. She does yoga. She teaches spinning. She's a CrossFit athlete. And um, right prior to her arrest, she was training for her very first weightlifting competition. She's also um, a very talented artist. There's a website that's been put together um, which showcases some of her artwork. Um, and so, yeah, she's um, she's a pretty m- remarkable young woman. I'm proud of her, <laughs> yeah. to say the least. <laughs> so then, let's talk a little bit about uh, about the arrest and uh, you know what what actually happened, what she was charged with, and and then we can talk sort of about the the trial and the sentencing and stuff. So I believe this all happened in summer of 2017, and so. As I understand it, uh, what happened, what she's been alleged to have done was to have taken a document that was a top secret document, taken it out of the the contractor company of where she worked for the, the contractor for the NSA, and then given that document to The Intercept, uh, which is a news organization. Uh, and so then she was indicted under the Espionage Act. Can you elaborate a little bit on what happened, what, you know, sort of the the situation? Yeah. Um, So basically, it was in May of 2017. And this was at the time when, you know, there were questions out there as to whether or not the Russians had interfered in our election, in our presidential election of 2016. And this was at the time when our administration, our White House, was doing all that they could to deny it. And um, as you may recall, James Comey was fired. I believe it was on May 8th or 9th. And right after that, then uh, President Trump met in the White House in the Oval Office with some Russian diplomats. And he actually bragged to them that he had gotten rid of this whole Russia thing and by firing James Comey. And he made it known that he did fire James Comey because he wanted to make the Russia thing go away. And so at that moment in time, you know, um, although I've never had the conversation with reality about what was going on in her mind at this time, but it was within that time frame where reality she did have access to this document um, with the NSA, and she printed it, and she did. She mailed it anonymously to the Intercept. Um, I believe she mailed it like on May 10th, and so it was right and within those 
you know, those days. And, you know, if you read the FBI interrogation transcript, you know, basically when she admitted to doing this, she said, yeah, I mean, it was just like a boiling point at that moment. Um, she said just um, she couldn't take it anymore. And she just felt like this document needed to be out there. And this document was actually like a compilation of intelligence information. It was a summary of intelligence information showing how the Russians had attempted to send these phishing emails to the election, the voting systems in about 21 states. And those those phishing emails actually contained viruses. And so if somebody had um, opened any of those sphere phishing emails, then it would have they it would have given them access into those voting systems. And so this was definite proof. This was this was absolute um, proof. It was an intelligent summary of information that they had, our intelligence agencies had collected as far as this piece of it, of what the Russians had had done to try to hack into our actual voting systems. And yeah, and um, it didn't take long for the FBI to kind of track down who had printed this, this um, document, and it was postmarked mailed from Augusta, Georgia, and it led them straight to, you know, reality. And they um, went into her home on Saturday, June 3rd of 2017, told her that they had, you know, a search warrant for her house, her vehicle, and her person. They took her car keys, they took her cell phone, and pretty much made it clear to her that she wasn't free to leave, although they never Mirandized her. They never told her that she had the right to remain silent. They never told her she had the right to, to call anyone and to, to have legal assistance. And they interrogated her there in her home in Augusta in a back room. And from there, you know, um, she did admit to being the one to, to print out this document and to mail it to, to the intercept. And she was arrested on that day. She was taken to a a rural county jail there in Georgia, in a small town um, about 40 miles from Augusta, Georgia. And she was held there. And she's been the only person, um, only non-military person, charged with this sort of crime. It's a nonviolent crime. She has no prior arrest, no prior record of any kind. She has outstanding service. Um, she's been the only person who's been denied bail. And so she was actually denied bond the entire pretrial time, which was something that we, we really tried to fight and her attorneys really tried to fight, uh, but she was denied four times. And so she was held in this little county jail for about 17 months. And it got to the point where, you know, the court continued to rule against her to where it didn't look like she even had a defense. And basically, they they pretty much just beat her down until she pled guilty and she accepted a plea deal. What were some of the reasons they gave for denying bail? <laughs> oh, my gosh. This was... Um, it was absolutely crazy. My husband and I um, were at, we were at the very first bail hearing and at the very first bail hearing, you know, they said that they were not done processing all of the, all of the evidence that they had gathered. 
that she had all of these cell phones and these computers in her possession and they were they were trying to decide whether there was more information. They were sure that she had possibly um, had other documents in her possession. And so they were telling the court that basically the the country wouldn't be safe in, in allowing her out, that there was just too much that they didn't know at that point. They also lied to the court and told them that during a conversation with myself, that reality had actually told me that the case was about documents plural, that she had leaked, where that came later, they had to apologize and say, no, that's not what she said. You know, I had asked her what she was being charged with. And she said that I leaked a document. She never said documents. So they made this big deal that um, they were sure that there was other evidence out there that would show that reality was a threat to the country. Um, they also indicated that she had $30,000 in her bank account, which made her a flight risk. Um, and when you compare that to some, um, you know, big cases that are going on right today, and you see these millionaires who are being let out on bond, um, that really, you know, really doesn't make any sense to me how a young woman with $30,000 in her bank account is, is a major, you know, flight risk. And they took her passport, so I don't know how they thought that she was going to, you know, flee. They, they, you know, they indicated that her training with the Air Force, you know, made her an ideal kind of target for like the Taliban and ISIS to recruit. And, and therefore, she couldn't be trusted to be let out on bail, even though she had just um, received a medal of accommodation from the Air Force. You know, with regard to how many targets she had identified and taken out of the field, you know, I mean, why would the Taliban and ISIS even give her consideration? I mean, all of their their arguments were so bizarre and they just they twisted everything about her, everything good about her. They twisted into a negative. You know, the fact that she speaks all of these languages, she could go anywhere. You know, she could go anywhere, Your Honor. You know, the fact that she had $30,000, I mean, that right in and of itself was suspicious. However, you know, then they made a big deal out of, you know, when they went into her home, her home didn't have any furniture because she didn't believe in material things. She didn't need, you know, a dining set if it was just her, you know. So it was it was just so, um, it was just really pure evil how they took everything about Reality Winner and they twisted it into this narrative that here we have a person who is, you know, not to be trusted. Uh, reality journals everything. She um, had many, many journals at her house. And they took one journal where she had doodled in the corner and had said, I want to burn the White House down and move to Kurdistan. Ha ha. You know, and, and they, they showed that as, you know, here we have a very dangerous person, you know, but they didn't introduce all of the other journals that, you know, we have that show that here we have a person who deeply cares about everyone and about humankind and about her country as well as as other countries, you know, Um they just took they took little pieces like that, and it's kind of scary. Uh, this could happen to any one of us, you know. They could take just bits and pieces of any of our lives, and they could twist them 
and they could turn it into the narrative that they wanted it to be, you know. So so that was, I mean, and that was probably, you know, the the hardest thing during all of this is trying to fight for her release, just her freedom, so that she could work with her attorneys to um, defend herself and to at least talk, because really what they did is they silenced her. Nobody's heard from Reality Winner because you can't. They, they've locked her away and they've silenced her. And so nobody else, you know, knows the, the public out there. You know, they got to hear what the prosecution put on as far as why this person's a dangerous person, but they didn't get to hear from reality herself. And that's why I guess I do as much talking as I can um, on her behalf so that I can um, help people know who she really is, you know, the, the other side of this. So Reality is currently serving a prison sentence of five years and three months, which is the longest prison sentence ever, ever ruled for leaking classified documents to media. Why do you think, I mean, this is such a really intense sentence. Why do you think the judge ruled that way? I mean, why do you think that happened? It's just so strange to me. I I mean, I... um watching the whole thing unfold and how this court ruled against her at every turn, you know, I, I have, I have to believe that there was pressure from above. I have to believe that mm-hmm. there was pressure from the DOJ, you know, at the highest levels and also from our white mm-hmm. house. I have mm-hmm. to believe that, you know, when Trump um, at the beginning was indicating that they had to stop the leakers and they had to stop the leakers and, You know, how in James Comey's memos indicating that, yes, we just want to catch one and we want to nail him to the door as an example to others. Reality was their first leaker that they caught. And they intended to make such an example out of her to scare anyone else out there who might have access to information, who might think about doing the same thing. And in fact, in their press release, Um, And in their sentencing memo, the government said that they said that we needed to make this sentence um, harsh enough to deter deter all others. You know, so Reality Winner is actually paying a huge price to be a deterrent for any other, you know, intelligent personnel out there. It's really a chilling message to them. No matter what, don't say anything. You know, no matter what you see. Do not leak. Do not come out and and say anything because look at what happened to Reality Winner. And we can post the actual document that The Intercept released and people can see it's only five pages long. (laughs) You know, you you made a point that it was just the one document. And it's I I mean, it's a very damning document, I think, of, uh, you know, sort of what Russia was trying to do and how they were trying to do it. But it is only five pages long. And at least the way The Intercept has posted it, there's some things that are blacked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, something that I have, you know, been trying to get out there. Like, um, it, it was one document one time and she certainly wasn't selling secrets to a foreign government. She wasn't betraying her country, but yet they used the espionage act against her and they, they persecuted her to the very fullest. You know, where we've never seen that before. You know, when you look at all other cases of whistleblowers, 
um, you know, you look at that they uh, may have leaked several documents. They may have leaked a lot of data, you know, like Chelsea Manning's case, um, you know, and, but with Reality Winner, you know, she's, it was one document one time and it really, it didn't harm us. I, I believe that it helped us. I believe that it was in, you know, our public interest for this information to be out there, especially at that time, so that it didn't get lost. And so, and for that, she's, she's, you know, really, she, she got the, the toughest sentence. What's your next step? Like, are you focusing on appeals? Are you focusing on um, trying to get the president to pardon reality? What's, what's your next step here? Yeah, because reality did um, sign a plea agreement, and this was the this was the absolute best deal that the government would give her. And mm-hmm. reality took this plea agreement because the government made it known that they were going to they were going to seek the full ten year sentence on her. So that, and that's what people need to know as well. Reality mm-hmm. pled guilty to get this sixty three months prison sentence and three years supervised release. So that she wouldn't end up with the 10 years because the government was really um, going after her for the full 10 years, if you believe that. Mm. And so and with the court, you know, ruling against her at every turn and the fact that she was being kept in this small county jail that couldn't meet her needs for 17 months, you know, she really was backed into a corner. So our next steps, we can't, you know, look for an appeal of any kind. But our next step is is certainly to get awareness out there. We really need the public to know who Reality Winner is, and we need people to start speaking out in her behalf. I would like for all congressmen to know her name and to know exactly what's happened and to look at this, to really look at her case in order for her to get some sort of justice. Um, her attorneys are looking at the possibility of filing for a pardon or clemency down the road. I myself, I write the White House, I tweet, I, I'm out there doing whatever I can to raise awareness and, um, you know, to ask for her release. You said that you are in touch with reality, that she called you today. How... How is she doing? How is, you know, obviously being in prison, I, I'm sure is terrible, but is she holding up okay? She is. She is. She has always, she's been very strong. Um, and definitely now that she's in a federal prison, it certainly is a, a much better environment than the county jail that she was being held in. Um, while she was in the county jail, you know, the conditions were not ideal. They weren't meeting her diet. She was basically living on peanut butter and potato chips and oatmeal the entire time that she was there because they didn't know how to meet her dietary needs in that uh, in that place. Um, she was assaulted. She was injured. Um, she was denied medical care. And so she certainly she's in a better place now that she's in the federal prison. She is doing well. She is taking college courses. She's working two jobs within the prison. She's teaching exercise programs, which she loves. She, she absolutely loves that. She is keeping strong. I do know also that, you know, she, she wakes up every day and thinks, this is it. This is my life until December 30th of 2021. You know, and so 
She she does everything that she can to keep herself busy and to keep herself, you know, motivated and positive. Um, but there are there are moments where it's tough for her, you know, and, and when she does see the news, it does frustrate her. You know, she thinks of all the people, of all the things that are happening in our world today. Really, she's the worst criminal out there where she has to, you know, carry this burden and be imprisoned for five years. Yeah. You know, so it is frustrating for her. What can our listeners do to help and where can they sort of go to find out more information? I think probably the best place for everybody to go is um, the standwithreality.org website. And that website basically has, has all the legal documents. It has our Twitter accounts, our Facebook groups. It has reality's address. If people want to write to her, they certainly can write to her. There's an online petition that people can sign you know, and, and just following us on our different social medias, um, we will have, you know, call to actions. We are looking at um, getting together an event around her, the second anniversary of her arrest coming up in June so that we can really wait, raise awareness and get, you know, different things going on uh, across the country to really get it out there. We ask people to write their congressmen um, to you know, say her name. We, we've had in the past where we've had a call to action to ask people to um, call the White House, which we've done, you know. Um, so we, we are doing, you know, certain things. And we're, we're just, I think right now we're trying to grow the campaign again. Um, the campaign's been uh, dormant for a little bit. And just recently we're trying to grow it back up again to get volunteers in, to get, you know, fresh ideas on what we can do so that we, we continue to grow the awareness of, of who she is, what's happened to her, and what people can do to help. Is there anything else that you'd like to make sure that we talk about? I think another thing is for people to understand that reform is needed with regard to the Espionage Act. Um, the use of this against citizens like reality and like um, some other whistleblowers before her and even going on right now, this is wrong for our government to be doing. Um, I can definitely see that if somebody is selling secrets, if somebody is actively spying and, you know, uh, jeopardizing our safety and working with foreign agencies, that's where the Espionage Act should be used, not against citizens like reality who are doing a public service for us. Well, Billy, I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I, I think a lot of people sort of hear things in the news and then don't really know all of the details. And, and it it's easy to sort of think of people as just names and not people. And so I think it's always useful to, to hear, you know, just, uh, you know, that, that someone is a real person with, with feelings and, and uh, motivations and, and all sorts of things that we should be thinking deeply about. And, you know, I think a lot of our listeners would agree we need a lot of reforms in the way that we think about criminal justice. And that includes things like the Espionage Act, definitely. Absolutely. And especially our whole criminal justice system as well. Um, this has mm-hmm. this has really been an eye opener for us. We've never been involved um, in anything like this. And just um, navigating through the 
criminal justice system and and learning, you know, about all of the the things. You know, if you're not rich in our country, then you can expect to be um, trampled on. That's, you know, there's no other way to say it. Well, we will put links uh, on our website up to the Stand With Reality website uh, and also, as I mentioned, to the the article that was published in The Intercept. Uh, So hopefully people will pay more attention and and follow the the Twitter account and Facebook and and get to know some of the calls to action and and try to help out. Excellent. Well, I, I appreciate that so much. Absolutely. And definitely next time you talk to Reality, please let her know that there are people out here thinking about her. Oh, thank you so much. That that does. That does go a long way for her. It does. Thanks for listening to Two Broads Talking Politics. Our theme song is called Are You Listening? Off of the album Elephant Shaped Trees by the band Immunuri, and we're using it with permission of the band. Our logo and other original artwork is by Matthew Wethlin and was created for use by this podcast.